0: Welcome to Profitable Powerhouse Properties with the AHI Group. I'm Jonathan Cook. I'm Brian Jenkins. And today we have uh, some lovely guests with us. Deb Newell. Two of my favorite property managers. Yeah. Great. We're excited. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Deb, Jen Soups. Welcome. For
1: having us. Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, today we're going to talk about diversifying portfolios. I don't know when this episode. We're going
2: to talk about diversified operations. So I'd like i like for sure. Jed and Jen to kind of give us a just a. Oh, yeah. You know, 30 introduce intro yourselves a, a little bit.
0: That makes sense. Not everyone that's listening to us knows who you guys are. That's right. No, they, they should. probably
3: do. They, but they, they do. They might. Uh, they do. They, they, do.
0: they should.
3: <laughs>
0: I mean, I just introduce people like, yep, tell yeah, the it. The thing
2: is, so let's assume that everyone know. knows who all of us are. The thing is, if they know them, they'll admit to it. If they know us, they won't admit it. That's a good <laughs> point, Brian.
0: All
2: right, Deb, why don't you go first? All
3: right. So, Dev Newell from Minnesota. I have to be careful to not have the accent too strong there.
2: Definitely was not a southern accent. I didn't pick I up Minnesota yeah, when you yeah. said soda. Yeah, it was pretty did. good. So,
3: uh, and I run real-time consulting services. So I do property management consulting, or actually, oh, I always say consulting for the rental industry. So I have done multifamily, single-family, wholesalers, REITs and uh, flippers
1: kind of am um, all over that's great yeah Jen? so i am jen stoops out of charlotte north carolina i run park avenue properties i'm the senior vp there and we are actually centrally we have a hub and spoke model so we are centralized in charlotte but we operate in north carolina south carolina and georgia and a little bit in tennessee
2: wow okay she's not infringing on our territory yet. <laughs> i'm not Let's we're not close. going to
1: alabama i'm doing i, did, all I didn't CEO. i didn't
2: hear we're about a partner in city carolina. that's right yeah.
1: that's right we, okay, so where the are the we way way. trying to reach
0: out? Where are we trying to expand to? We're not gonna tell her. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. cool, cool. That's, what that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Actually, we should talk about that. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Get, this is this is why we're all here today. Let's talk about. Okay, that's a perfect example. You're everywhere.
2: If, but we also want to bring up the fact where are we where are we broadcasting from. Oh, well, we're
0: broadcasting from Memphis, Memphis again. Tennessee. We I don't know when this episode's gonna drop, but yeah. if you're listening, Memphis, Tennessee. We're in Memphis still. Five Star SFR Summit. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's been, there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting characters here. It's been a blast. We, we're just bringing. A, a, we're just, a, just a bringing whole, in our nice favorites. Way
3: of actually saying that. That was very politically correct. Uh,
0: Professional podcaster. <laughs> exactly. How many times do I have to say this? <laughs> so we brought in our favorites, though, mm-hmm. to talk and educate our listeners, give them some good insights on why they should operate in certain ways, how they can. Make sure they don't step in some pitfalls that we all have seen. Like, it's like, hey, put this sign there, put these cones around this. Y'all don't step in this hole please don't because we're going to be the ones that are, are going to have to do
1: it so maybe we can help sure and we are going to be the ones failures. that are going to have to yeah <laughs> you know, you know, so we're going to have is,
2: to clean it up in the <laughs> end anyways yeah, the bigger thing is don't step in the same hole That's right. which yeah. they do yeah. to over
3: behavior. and over yeah. and over and they think they'll, they'll put a little spin on it so it'll be a little different no it's different guy, but it's the same hole. it's not the same it thing it just gets bigger
0: and bigger no i mean no it's something else there's a different reason shoveling
1: quicksand <laughs> that's a really that's good a, analogy. That's a a really very
0: a hub out. and analogy. <laughs> that's way better than the hub <laughs> and Spoke.
1: It's true statement. So
0: let's let's explain. Alright, our listener, ideally, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's it's mostly it's gonna be investors. That's who we're reaching out to. Is the person who's who is buying a bunch of homes they maybe not necessarily giant portfolios. They're not buying thirteen hundred home portfolios. If they are, they can listen to us. That's great. Give us a call, please. Anyways, the ones that I I, I like your markets. Shameless you can call plug. Me in Shameless plug. Always. That's all our podcast is, Brian. Don't tell anyone. It's just an hour long.
1: Shameless plug. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. We're gonna give you an hour-long we shameless plug, dude. It, but
1: why are we here to
0: Why didn't we? Well, because Brian and I are in this, so it
2: would it, it, its it be because everybody knows you and they're gonna listen to you. So. That's right. That's, that's 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 why we're here. All
0: there's a
3: spike in your listening.
0: Yeah, we should have. We should have videoed this one.
3: Yeah, we should
0: have. So, I like to talk to the first time investor, the early investor, the rookie investor, because I think what I've seen from podcasting and the clients that we've gotten through podcasting, it's, it's a lot of first time people or, or, or rookies that are just getting into the, to the industry, just kind of stepping in and going, that seems neat. That seems like I could make a lot of money there because they can, mm-hmm. but a lot of them come in and have no idea what they're doing. They have money. Sure. I can go buy some houses. That sounds easy, right? What do you do after that? Where, where do you start? Where do you begin? What do you not need to do to really mess this thing up because we, we've seen people really buy into some so properties. are you thinking,
3: are, are, are a lot of these people buying and then saying, I'm just going to manage or? I think they, a lot of them do. Okay. So they're, they're looking at buying yeah, they put the a car portfolio. The they do. So they're buying a portfolio. A, a,
0: not necessarily some well, of them are buying when I say portfolio, okay. it portfolio be like really, a really
3: they're building a small yes. portfolio and they're like I don't want to pay somebody cuz they never want to give up something right no. I can do, I can this, do this myself, myself right mm-hmm. so that's what they're doing there's your first pitfall yeah, yeah. pitfall that's number, number one shovel of quicksand so yes. it's coming right back in there was a comment made today which it was on your panel actually Brian that thankfully some turning was Jennifer as well and she spoke yeah. up and she said the one thing you have to watch out for though is yes you probably can do this but you need to look at the laws the statutes the county issues there's going to be a lot of registration issues you may have to register it you may if you live out of state so a lot of people will invest in other states which is totally fine a lot of people invest in Memphis because it's so inexpensive right. but you know if you do that you can't it's difficult to manage from afar and you have to pay attention if you to live in because, New Jersey yeah. you don't know the Memphis oh, laws yeah, but in a lot of states require you to have an
1: in-state there you go that's what exactly
3: offices. what I, and I was actually getting to the point where you like in Minnesota you have to live within a 16 county radius or you can't manage your own properties so there's a lot of little nuances per state per county mm-hmm. per city and you have to be careful with that so all fine and dandy if you want to try to do it yourself I like Jennifer said, it's you know pitfall number one. Probably don't. Yeah. Don't even yeah. So out there. and you know and they typically investors don't invest just where they live. They right. invest in Most places don't. that are.
0: Right. Well, if you live in California than, you know. right now, we're well, right. This One of the earlier panels. You can't. You can't, you can't invest in California no. anymore. Well, right. I mean, the price it. points are too high. Right. You can't. You can buy a C class property
3: no, for. There's no ROI R-O. no in it. No, right
2: none. But we're seeing it. Every one of us is seeing it to where. It's become a national platform. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not your local marketplaces. Yes, yeah. it is in multiple locations across the nation. You're going to have local marketplaces. So we're here to talk about, you know, what some of the things we're here to talk about is why hire a property management firm? Yes, a property management professional specifically, how you can get the best rate of return using that service yeah. and that level of quality. And some of the pitfalls, some of the advantages of doing so. So I also want to talk. Of I also want to talk a little bit about
0: the idea of not getting locked into one market. I think yes. that is that's a that's a pitfall. That I mean, when it's in our market, I'm like, oh yeah, buy up all of Birmingham, Alabama. It's fun because we're there, but we're also in Montgomery and Huntsville and Oklahoma City. And I mean, I'm not specifically there, but it still helps us. And so. The investor being happy, our, our audience listening being happy is what's really important to us.
2: So
1: where are they going to get the best ROI? That's
2: right. Exactly. Just taking the the current. So everybody here on the panel. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we represent ten marketplaces throughout the, the country. Yeah. So just a sampling of you know we're all given a little different flavor mm-hmm. from where it's coming from. But yeah, I mean if you you know I always call it to sit on the couch and buy your next property. They yeah. Online using a service like Workstock or something similar. Shop Properties across the country. Select sure. what you want to do, and then we, you know, we have preferred partnerships with them. So um, I know Jen does. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you work with them or not. Um, I can help you with that if you'd like to. Yeah, well, they're not in Minnesota. Yeah, oh, they're, yeah. we need We a, can a, find a, some, We can yeah. find somebody that. Well, will okay, be, if so. that's the
3: upper. That's the upper bracket that people don't. You know, investors don't go into Minnesota for. A variety of reasons. Yeah. Have you checked the weather report lately?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, right? Cold? Not just cold. Client, uh, whoever it is, an investor that's investing, and let's just say they're investing in Charlotte. Sure. And you know, you want them to diversify their portfolio and yeah. not stick with just one marketplace. I would much rather if Birmingham makes sense for them and they like Birmingham, I would rather take my client who I can continue to use in Charlotte. Sure. They'll use me and refer it to somebody I trust. Yeah to send them over to, so, so that kind of goes to, you know, a little bit about our NARPAM organization as you get to know one another through that. And so I would much rather take a client that's happy with me in one market, but they may be looking at a market I don't do business in, I'd rather refer them to somebody I know.
0: Now, Jen, Brian talks about NARPAM a lot, mm-hmm. and I don't know when this episode's going to drop. a lot. So, Every episode definitely. or so. And I don't know when this one's going to drop, so I don't know the last time you plugged NARPM. <laughs> Jen, why don't you do it this time? Can you explain who NARPM is and so, why we're all members of it? So it
1: is an acronym, N-A-R-P-M, which is the National Association of Residential Property Managers. They should so, be paying us. They, they, you know, we need to look into this. <laughs> <laughs> we us put strategic rates. planning. We're
2: all the volunteers. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. We are
1: volunteers. <laughs> but, but the organization is it, is, it is our National Association for Property Managers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it needs to grow. People uh, are not as aware of it as they should be. Mm-hmm. You know, we're huge advocates of it. It has grown a lot over the last few years, but but definitely people need to become more aware because NARQAM is trying to help create, I don't want to use the word standard, but best practices. Yeah. It's trying to help teach best practices and standardize, yeah. you know, especially from an accounting standpoint. Uh, there's and ethics. There's, and I would you know,
2: say elevating our industry. Yeah. So it's best-in-class sure. operators. Absolutely. That's, it's
0: something that I was I was saying earlier and it, it goes to this point in and with what this pod this episode is specifically about, reaching out to different marketplaces. And one of the things that Brian and I do on a daily basis when I have a client that'll come and ask me about a market that we don't necessarily have somebody in mm-hmm. What is the first thing Brian does? is He looks, looks at who, North who North North. is a NARPUM yeah. in that area. Absolutely. Who, who do we know in NARPM? And that is such a big deal because that means if they're in they're there's someone that, that's, that's going right. to be able to handle they this correctly. When, Let's when, quantify that because. Yeah, I
3: had brought something up earlier. Okay. When you mentioned that, I said also, you know, just. Look for designations. Sure. so I think that's important as well. Those who have designations, it'll say pro, it'll say MPM, it'll say RMP, it'll say CRMC. Mm-hmm. Those are all designations associated either with the company as mm-hmm. itself or with the individual that's running the company, or even some of their property managers. And those are important because that tells you that they're vested yep. into the industry. And they invested in themselves. Exactly. To make it's not like an overnight designation. Right, right. It's not like I, I, I go online. That
2: even a step further, I know in mm-hmm. our, our organization. We have, I'm going to say, 22 members of NARPA. Everybody in our company is a NARPA member. So that's an investment as a business owner, Mm -hmm. that's a huge investment. But it also speaks to if you if you view our website and you see the size of our company, you realize, hey, this is his entire team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody's invested, everybody's being educated, everybody's pushing toward designations mm-hmm. and being the best in class operator. Yeah. So that's And that's, that's from your admins
1: to your property managers right. to yeah. your brokers. Yeah. And which is it's great. great. It's like
3: the multifamily industry who goes to IREM mm-hmm. and IREM has their own designations which are just as
1: difficult if you right. know to well, think about real realtors. When real Realtors, realtors belong to the Realtor Association, it's a, that's their association, right? I mean, yeah. I belong to both because in North so Carolina, we, you have to be a broker to, to do property mm-hmm. management. So mm-hmm. I do belong to both, but but I specialize. Our firm specializes in property management, so NARPA is our big you know go to. But Realtors, they get their designations. Yeah, no, and, yes. And people I pay found was found with
2: like that. NAR, National Association of Realtors. I gave the analogy earlier today, it's like, I feel like 90% of their training is sales related training. Yeah. Because I know when I went and got my real estate license for the first time, literally 10% of the education piece was property management and it was pretty pretty lean 10% really. So flip that around and, and Marple is, I'm going to say 95% plus property management mm-hmm. training specific. Mm-hmm. And very little sales, but we get into HLA's. Sure. We talk about you know multifamily, some things on that front, commercial yeah. a bit. So it just depends on what what your you know what your game is and mm-hmm. what you're trying to focus on.
0: And so that's kind of what, what I'm talking about is that's why you want we we transfer clients and refer to other clients, other so NACR members. We know the kind of education that they're getting. Same and so now let's talk about the different kind of markets that, that we want to send someone to. Why why, do, why don't you want to just go buy, why, why don't I want XYZ investing company to come into Birmingham and just, just buy all of Eastlake, which is what I would like to do. <laughs> but but I know that that's not correct. i a new company. I don't know about
2: XYZ. Brian, we're
0: going to talk later. So
3: your question <laughs> is, <clears throat> don't you want them yeah, to?
0: Yeah, well, why, what's, why is that not just a best practice, just to go to one city and buy an entire market?
1: Well, it's not that it isn't. I okay. Mean, I, I don't Think there's anything wrong with doing that? Right. It just depends on the size portfolio you want as well.
0: But what if that market drops? Because yeah,
1: well, so it just depends. If you're buying five or six houses, you may want okay. to
0: just
3: stay in one market. Yeah, a lot of times people only buy what's comfortable to them. Mm-hmm. So some may only buy in markets that they have. They went to college there. They went to high school there. There's They have some connection. Mm-hmm. So if they have a connection, it's a little. It, it does become more of an emotional transaction, sure. which then is not a good thing. And you should we never We all manage, know that, and you should right. never manage your property if it's an emotional transaction. Yeah. number one. Oh, Lord. That's, that's but number right. One but, but two. What was your
0: motivation buying this property? I
3: lived there when <laughs> I was in
0: college. <laughs> that yeah. was we're going <laughs> tra- to trade ha- We're going to someone else. But it
3: does happen. But you just need to educate them that that's this right. is now a business transaction. Yeah. I mean, just look at yeah. your taxes. It's now on a schedule E.
1: What it's happens, now doing is they start buying before they get to know people like us yeah. in property management. Right. And so until that trusted relationship is developed, they kind of stay focused well, on small, what they're comfortable Yeah,
2: with. a small thing that came up on panel today, I think the panel before I went up, they were talking about BPOs. And mm-hmm. a lot of times those BPOs are coming from sales agents. Mm-hmm. And we Explain see, a BPO we see it daily. So broker price opinion. And if they get into the rental range, mm-hmm. they're assigning a rent range to it. Just the
1: in-my-face point yeah. out
2: is that it's a conflict of interest. It is. Yes, it is. I because think. you're sticking a rental number in to convince the buyer to buy this home from you so who happens wrong. to be the sales agent. Yeah. So there's a huge conflict there, so it's best to. Bring it to the I said budget. it was one yeah. percent. You should buy Don't it. Don't put the cart yeah. in front of the horse. Identify your property manager on the front end. <laughs> yeah. Do your interview process. Your vetting. Get all that established. Once you that would be ideal. But a
3: lot of times, investors, and there was one on the panel as well. It just takes one time to get burned. It does. And unfortunately, that's you know, there's there is going to be one in every market, like you know. So it, if you just have that one time, it's going to be really hard to recover from that and it could have been a monetary issue, it could have been a trust issue on other levels. Right. So I think the if that happens, that's hard to get think over Think about for the some thing people. that came up
2: the one time at burn. So the question that came out of the audience following that was, how do I insulate exactly. myself against bad property management? Exactly. It's not how do I find a good property manager, Correct. Exactly. how do I insulate myself against another bad property manager? So. Well, okay. Before we even get to
0: finding good and bad property managers, I, that's the reason, or that's the answer to this question is you use a good property manager. Uh, that's my, my answer to this. But how do you, if you are in one market, let's say you're in Memphis, you, you've bought into Memphis, you have the Memphis market down, you understand it. You want to diversify that portfolio that you have. You want it to spread out to a different to, to a different market. You want to go to Little Rock. Okay. How do, how do you how do you do that? Ask your, ask not, your okay. current
3: property manager if you have a pro, if you're working with a property manager now and you're very happy with them. First, go with a referral, yeah. so mm-hmm. they know somebody that's going to help. And it's, it, the, the, the whole NARPM community. Pretty much, we all know somebody in some somewhere. That's one advantage of that piece of it, and we know mm-hmm. where at least to look. So I would start with the referral. Don't try to do this cold turkey, like quit smoking or something. Look, like you can't do that. You got to you got to help you got to have help, right? You got to have a team behind you. So you, you need to start with a referral.
0: But if you've started this yourself because you haven't run into our podcast. I still
3: say go to your own market. Go to your own yeah. market and look who's around you. Guaranteed somebody knows somebody that knows somebody and they had a great experience. Sure. Go with that. And, and so, eventually they may go, why am I doing this again and turn their home home portfolio. Over, because if that's not their passion which most people who buy properties are not passionate about managing properties so that's the other piece when I'm consulting with a client the the one thing I always talk to him about is I'm like you went into this maybe because you wanted to be a property manager and you loved the whole concept of real estate and managing and owning property but did you think about you have to manage people and so that's another piece of it jennifer's laughing at me she's smiling because managing people becomes a whole nother hurting like well let's, it, let's, it, let's talk about that it can be difficult and so if you you know so no, it is difficult it's not a oh, it no you're right it is. <laughs> it is it is <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it really is. it's almost <laughs> like you, you know you have to focus on this is this will take you away from what you your core Responsibility so, was or could be. So, why
2: don't we focus a little bit on the vetting process? So, we talked about this okay. in earlier, panel. So, and I, I mentioned something about knowing metrics. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, when you vet and interview property managers, a good property manager is going to be willing to meet with you. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, and I, you know, can we look at your house? Absolutely. But I, I would encourage you, you know, just my own opinion. I get varying opinions on this from everybody here. But my thing is, go to their office.
3: Yes, I say the same.
2: See how they function.
3: Now, I, and I agree with you. And here's my only call out: I have a lot of clients who don't have brick and mortars because right. of, right. you know, it could. A lot of it could be just location. It does not make feasible sense. I have a lot of, you know, right. some in Atlanta who just can't do so. it. Well,
1: and, and we do. Yeah. We have one office, but in our markets outside of Charlotte, we don't. We exactly. have, but exactly. we do have space that we that talked We talked about can. that earlier. Yeah, but we have boots on the ground there. We can call. So we exactly. have. They're called on-demand offices. It's a Regis office. And and so you can, mm-hmm. if you know a client mm-hmm. wants to meet with you, reserve conference room space. I mean, we take a work workspace or something like right. that. Yeah. I agree with that. And the really
2: is to sit down and vet them. And it doesn't have to be in your property. Yeah. Get them in their own work workspace environment. We talked about this earlier. So the two of us talking to another, an owner, investor client, we we feed off one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. And we we know what we're doing. We know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it becomes. You know it becomes obvious to the person that's interviewing the property manager, and then going back to the metrics if I know what's our average days on market, mm-hmm. number mm-hmm. of applications mm-hmm. submitted, number of work orders you know, all yep. those things I know what I'm talking about. Days Fair. on market
3: is a huge one for them, too, because they want to know what's the average. It what is, but you got to be it?
2: careful with that, even exactly. because I've got competitors that don't <laughs> vet, they don't vet. Okay, explain that, Brian. Just
1: throw out some numbers.
0: Well, well, Even not, when they're not throwing out day. numbers. They, they might be a number. real number. It might be a real number. Explain how that's dangerous, right, so say, Explain hey, this. I
2: average 15 days on market. Wow! Now, in some places, that's, that's a very doable thing. In Birmingham, Alabama, that's not the norm. I will say that. So, Not for Actually, parental. though,
3: I will say, for the industry, in most markets, the average is about 16 to 17 days. So you're not too far off.
2: Okay, but... It's, it's a little better than I'm doing currently, but let's just say that so time of year, time of year, got yeah, a rough way. And, and one well, thing exactly. that I was going to bring up was average stage on market focusing on time of year because mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, so in knowing those differences, it's not just throwing out an empty number,
1: right, okay? right,
2: and um, not just throwing out a national average what what are you, years. Years. Yep. right? So, but all that all that goes into that is speed in which you put the property up. You know, is all the work done? Is it truly rent-ready? Mm-hmm. Is it professionally photographed? Mm-hmm. Is it virtual tours? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Are the listings uniform? Just small details that make all the difference So is the only thing important? No. Pictures and stuff? No. The no, no, no. no. most important piece is the placement of the tenant. Yeah. So if you place the wrong tenant, and sometimes some companies will place the wrong tenant, it won't screen them adequately. Um, and I'll use the word adequately because it's not screening hey, them correctly. Hey, Brian, how many more.
0: days on the market would all of our houses be if we just took everybody? Uh, probably two or three. <laughs>
3: yeah. Point <laughs> one. Do you have
2: that's, a false? Uh, I think Andy Andy alluded to that earlier. It's yeah. Not, it's not your credit score. It's actually the it's beat for so. a yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> minute. Yeah, yeah.
0: heartbeat per minute. That was awesome.
2: It works. That's the point. I mean, you can put the wrong... The problem is you put the wrong tenant in. You have a... Horrible experience. Mm-hmm. You uh, you've left a bad taste in the mouth of the investor. Exactly, which yeah. is what
1: I said earlier. And that the trust, and that's most of what mm-hmm. they get upset about yeah. is when they have a bad experience with, with a not quality tenant, how, and then they damage the property. How when do they? They,
2: move, they fire that property manager because they and have they a bad fire experience. all property managers at right. that point. Then they
1: have a bad taste with every property manager. How do you? How do
0: you prevent or how do we help? In get beyond this,
1: that. Yeah. How
0: do we help get a, get a investor? To find the right property manager, what what, what well, can we do it's today? It's almost
3: like how do you change that whole mindset? Let's say it's somebody. Let's say there's somebody yeah, out there right way. now who's like, "I'm listening to you guys. I've had a really bad experience, so I want to try this again because I really don't want that 2 a.m. call. So now, how do I go about finding the right
2: one?" So I think it's first important to distinguish between professional service mm-hmm. and license just, versus just being
3: unlicensed. the rent
2: collector. Right.
3: right, Don't you think? I, yeah, I mean, I, again, and thing. I did mention earlier in Idaho, you don't have to be licensed. I, I understand that, but uh, then I don't think we recorded it's, that. It's, uh, huh?
0: I said I don't think we recorded that. You could have away with it. <laughs>
3: but, but then you can go a step further and say, okay, but what have they done as, as a, you know, as a property manager? Have they taken any additional courses or education? You don't have to be licensed by the state, but have they invested into themselves to be a into the company as a
2: property manager? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it comes down to that, that basic core of what level of service are you providing to me? Because what I was thinking earlier was that you, you don't don't go with the cheapest price point. That's point number one. You, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. So and I think we've all been there. We've watched clients come to us. We've watched them pass us over for another management company, and then come back to us in twelve months. I'd, n-
0: I'd never, I'd never pay ten percent, Brian. Ever, I would never pay ten percent for anybody to manage my property. Yeah. That's ridiculous.
2: Had that exact conversation. Yeah, but I'm sorry. Example. it could be whatever. Sorry, sorry little tangents. Absolutely. But we get we get that type of thing occasionally. But it's it's typically uh, what I would consider an accidental landlord. Excuse yeah. me. So somebody that's got the emotional attachment to the house they right. used to live in, mm-hmm. or an investor just starting with their first purchase,
1: and that's emotional as well.
2: Yes, because yes. it's all of that's their a, money. Exactly it right is all,
1: all of, their of them money. though. There's see, property management is property management is property management. We all do the same stuff. Okay. So how you know people would ask how do you pitch to an investor when there's five other mm-hmm. companies that they, we all do the same stuff. That's exactly. I right. do you,
2: but I can tell you, I had a large client that interviewed us, and it came down to me and another. Quality property management firm in our market, Birmingham, and I had that client come back to me and basically say, "It's because you gave me the answers that I was looking for, which were the education.
1: metrics, well, education, well, for me, knowing
2: how my mm-hmm. business worked."
1: Mm-hmm. It's it is about metrics, but they're looking in, in an investor's mind. Where is the problem? They're thinking about the problems that can happen. What mm-hmm. problem solvers? Yeah. So I've switched completely around, and I tell them all the time. I'm like, we all do property management. You find a tenant, you secure a tenant, you collect rent, you do the maintenance. You know, I mean, the cycle is the same. You might have, a, you know, it's yeah. gonna happen to an investor at some point in time, they're gonna have a bad tenant. They're gonna have major maintenance issues. It's going to happen at some point in time if you own enough properties or own them long enough. But I look at it and go, okay, we're, we're solving a potential problem for them. Otherwise, what do they need us for? So, what are the potential problems and how, and it, it's, it's just a reverse way of explaining how to do property management, but but you you ask them, I always start asking clients, what are you most concerned about? Yeah. And it's usually the tenant selection, how do you handle maintenance, maintenance. do you have do you after you hours calls? Yep. That's exactly And clear. most investors as well, aren't
3: looking for a personal relationship with a property manager, mm-hmm. but they're looking for a professional one. Yes. So they don't want to be contacted all the time for everything, but they do want to be, I believe in transparency so yes. I think that you should be transparent in everything that you do I think that's number one so if you're transparent then any questions they have along the way it should be easy to answer and if you're in full disclosure with their statements every month there's not a reason for you to have to call them all the time they trust that you're gonna manage their properties and that gives them the
1: ability to buy more They which want is you what spending you Spending their money like it's yours yeah. yeah how would you go spend your money you wouldn't mm-hmm. be willy-nilly with it they don't want you doing that with their highest yeah,
2: compliment and I, I still have some you know, what I consider small small investors, so they you know, a couple think about I live in California, they go on vacation, it's like, hey, any decisions that come up on my property the Brian making for me. Yeah. So it's a level of trust because mm-hmm. they've been applying for a long period of time. And and it's really you know, we just give give the reports back to them, you know, just the method of communication, in mm-hmm. communication with whether you own one property or, you know, three hundred. So I think all of that's important. And we talked a little bit earlier I did on my panel, we talked about budgeting. And a good property manager, a good firm, is actually when you come to them as a new investor, mm-hmm. we're going to spend the time to educate you a little bit. Yeah. we to talk about how much you should set aside for general maintenance, how much you should set aside for capital expenditures, how much you could expect to spend on an average term, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Down, days on market. We mm-hmm. talked about speed of turnover. You know, how long is the property going to be down after somebody moves out before we can get it back up to marketing?
1: What's your average? Investors want to know how long an average ten stays in
2: property.
1: Okay, and I would
3: recap. So anytime somebody would come to the office, it's important to recap those things so they're also in writing because they're going to also forget that conversation in five to six months when something does go wrong. So if you recap it, it's you're you're not saying I told you so, but you kind of are in a nice way by saying we did talk about this. I know it's happening. I'm you know we're really sorry. It, you know, it could be a weather-related issue. It could be just something happened, and and that's why when tenants don't pay rent, there's sometimes a lot more. There's could be a variety of reasons why, but it's maybe not just because they didn't want to pay. It could be something that happened right. in their family, and you you know it, it, a very legitimate reason. And yet, there's a plan of action. So, so everything should be recapped. So sticking on way. that
2: point for a moment,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it's the business side of it so we right. represent the business side of that so that the homeowner doesn't have to get exactly. down in the mud with the tenant and get the explanation of my car broke down or you know whatever mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. this is why i can't pay the rent so let that come from your property manager let us be the run bad guy. Your business for you <laughs> and be the bad guy yeah yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. exactly because we're that we're the professionals we know what we're doing yeah. and we've heard all of the excuses for the most part so we know what's pretty much true not true
2: What's going on. But the thing is, we don't get caught up in the emotion yeah. of it. Yeah, right. uh, exactly. And I know, I know. Speaking for our operation, we don't. We, we start processes if, if you're not paying, and you're headed. Toward a lease termination notice being issued or eviction filing, that stuff's going on in the background, regardless of whatever that conversation is. Mm-hmm. I would also
3: tell an investor, look at my, you know, look at the reviews, yeah. and guarantee there's bad reviews. Just look who's writing them. Right. But that tells you that I'm upholding all of the terms of the lease and our contract. You want me to do that? We're not going to be liked by the tenant. That's, right. that's a given. Jennifer said Brian, earlier. did, when we did we were I talking, tell
2: you? We talked about this. earlier. Yeah,
3: we, we did. So, they're not going to like us and that's okay. That's our job. <laughs> we still, you know, we can't be their best friend because it is a business or we would be out of business and right. that's why investors actually have a hard time and they forgive late fees and they, they let the tenant stay a little bit longer than they should and, all, and then it just backfires on them. So, it, it could be a big mess.
0: Hey everybody, Brian and Jonathan here. We just want to interrupt and tell you about one of our sister companies, the Birmingham Insurance Group. Cash flow is what matters, and to maximize cash flow, an investor needs their broker to know their industry. Birmingham Insurance Group, a.k.a. BIG, does just that by specializing in the single-family residential rental market with customized products to fit investors' needs. Providing 24-7 online access, you can pay your bill, add or remove properties, issue certificates, and much more, day
2: or night. And best yet, they're available in all 50 states, so don't hold back on buying those rental properties. Reach out to Richard Davis and his team today at BIG and see what they can do for you. You can reach them at 205-616-1107 or online at bhaminsgroup.com.
0: I told Brian this, I think probably in the first week that I was working with you, Brian, I said, when I was interviewing in the process of me coming to work at AHI, I did a Yelp review and I looked at the Yelp reviews and I looked at the Google reviews and all that for our company. And that's one of the things that I noticed was like i mean my wife kind of works here anyway so i was going to be there that's that's neither here nor there but i do my due diligence A little,
3: little nepotism helped slightly okay, got it. so
0: i mean I, I looked through all the reviews and when was talking to about wife and i was like i'm definitely i'm definitely really impressed and she's like i really i really didn't realize that their reviews would be that kind of balance between just good and bad, and I was like, but do you understand who's writing the bad stuff? Look who's writing the good stuff. Exactly. Those are the people that own those houses. That's exactly right. Look at the ones that are bad. It's, it's all I was, I mean, I was only 37 days late wow. on rent, why can't I stay there?
1: I didn't get my full security deposit back. I just smoked in the property, even though it said no in my lease to do that. I mean, I didn't know that wait, if wait, I set wait. the no, house on fire,
0: I was going to get charged for it. Sorry, that part <laughs> I was going to
1: say,
3: I didn't know they would disclose that. Actually, some of the fun ones that you actually would see is when They and, don't like
0: and, dogs.: And
3: I actually always advise if it's we good do, bad, we we just pay, pay for it. it. Friend,
0: pay, pay for, for it. Right.
3: And some of the bad ones, just, you know, uh, I know some property managers that do this. Stick in a link that shows to everybody you're right. We we did have an issue with your security deposit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: Here's
1: why. We respond to all of them, good or bad. Yeah, and you yeah. I'll them. try to shame everybody. But we do. Right.
2: Brian, Brian Brian's Brian's <laughs> very kind. I, I know some uh, property managers. Say, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen them.
3: I've
2: seen
1: them. We but don't. We're not, out, kill, well, them right. we're not out. Just them the kindness. We're not out here
0: to hurt anyone's no. feelings. And I, I want the listeners to know, like, we're not against tenants. Right. You can't no, be need against tenants you and actually do this. Need Tenants, yeah, you, you tenants.
3: have no business if you have no tenants. But you have to hold them. And down. and
0: and the investor would be super super pissed at us if we turned all the tenants away if we were mean to all the exactly. tenants and and we got that reputation of like you don't want to rent from these people that they, they're mean to all their tenants. We're not right. We're not. But you're gonna follow. That's
1: right. Follow and, the and the we're professional.
2: That's right. form of compliment from a tenant's renewal lease. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's the benefits to the homeowner. We talked about it earlier. It's you know, you're not paying our fees for, for, for procurement again, mm-hmm. you're dealing with no down days, no turn cost, You're prolonging that and pushing and deferring it to another yeah. day.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that on the side of this equation of somebody owning a property. So, okay, let's talk about this from numbers because that's the person listening to this is, isn't other property managers, they might be, but. I mean, it's more than likely somebody that that owns property. So what is the cost difference for having a good property manager that's keeping a tenant in there versus somebody that's getting a bad tenant that, yeah, I can put a tenant in there in two days, they're going to be gone. In, in, well, in I don't 60. Know
1: that, no, the math's not that hard. Yeah, no. <laughs> but
0: but I mean, just what, think about what do we so got here? Got, what?
1: You're going to have late fees, you're going to have eviction charges, you're going to have now you've got downtime, and mm-hmm. it takes time. Every state, every county can be different yeah, and in how costs. long it takes to get yeah, an and eviction done. Mm-hmm. That's, you
2: that's one of the points that I want to make. Me, I mean, I, you know, at least in our markets. They're largely dictated by classification of property. So the mm-hmm. C-class property, you know, right? You're you're going to be spending at least twice the amount. Of money. Exactly.
3: So it was interesting because on the not your panel, but another panel today, was advocating for let it was a high. It was a multi-state property management company. Said we just want to let the tenants stay as long as possible, and I completely disagree with that because it is statistically proven that a tenant who stays more than three years, the cost of that turn will be more after they they vacate after three years. Because all of the profit that an investor or somebody has received goes down because your depreciation changes the longer they stay so there's not a lot I can charge them for which investors think I'm just gonna charge them for everything right dollar for dollar and you can't do that so you have a depreciation that goes down
2: just like the day they moved in (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And then their security deposit,
3: you probably have to give a lot of it back now. Because what about
0: reading, right, uh, rate increases as well? Like how, how Exactly. You can
3: you write your leases yeah. to, to yeah, where even if they're multi-year, okay. you can write them to where in year
1: two, it goes up to X. In year three,
3: it would go but, up to X. But some people who are doing this themselves just think of, well, at least they're still staying. So right. they think it's okay for them to stay all of these years. Oh, yeah. And many, then I'm like, yeah, how many but when they move out... Had? You have, what if you have a ten to $15,000 turn, which is not unheard of no, it's if it happens, and there goes all of the money that you had supposedly captured and saved and put
2: well, into another so property. Let's this, this clarify a little bit the depreciation mm-hmm. standard. So all, all the building material that goes into the house sure. is depreciated on schedule. So carpet's got a lifespan.
3: Five to seven years.
2: Five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Wall paint's got a lifespan, trim paint's got a different one, tile, so on and so forth. So, so the longer they're in there, the less time exactly. they're responsible for toward the replacement of the product.
3: Which many people get wrong. Right. Many people. I,
0: I also want to clarify that that's also going to differ, even if it's the same carpet, on a different property. So if it's a C class property, and I know we use these terms a lot, A, B, and C class property, but if it's a C class property, the reality is that seven year carpet is not lasting it's you not seven, seven years. years
3: right. But you also have to take it. And that wall that paint that's in, supposed to last you two turns. Exactly sure. When they moved in. Yeah, sure. you could have salvaged it for one right. tenant, same with the paint, but you may not get another but tenant the, out of the it. The truth
2: is. On that classification of property, there's ways to counter that. So mm-hmm. the investor, exactly. when they go to replace it, get rid of the carpet, put an LVT exactly, product or something exactly. in that's more durable. Than the last. It's
1: going to cost a little bit more up front, yep. but you're going to have mm-hmm. it a heck of a lot longer. You're getting more closer to 15 or longer years. Is that, easier, that all, is that something you. that we've it all? Is
0: that something that we've all noticed? I mean, kind of, kind of everywhere. I mean, is that just? Is that best practice? If you if you own properties, should you should everyone transfer I mean, or should I think, everyone change carpet? I think it depends too? on the classification property.
3: Agreed. It
1: does, and okay. the area. Okay. And I think if you're exactly in, a, in a in a, Do you think, DEC property, I would.
0: So everything should be, I mean, a solid. Well, just think about.
2: So one of my pet peeves is if. if would you still keep carpet in bedrooms? I think it just
3: depends. Again, it depends on where you're located. A lot of it's going to be also geographically, like where you're located, because sometimes you need the carpet because it may be cooler than, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, In you Minnesota. Have to look at, mm-hmm. Well, exactly. So you have to look at that piece of it. And if you're only having carpet in bedrooms, it's going to cost you less if you have to change that out. And maybe you have the other type of
2: But then again, you're having to replace the carpet after every tenant that's been in there a year or a year, two years, whatever. So you
3: just have to look at the numbers.
2: That's not cost effective. Okay. So I forget my original point. I was going to. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. So I was going to. I think I was going to. I think that was my fault. Don't worry. Yeah. The different classifications (laughs) of properties. And then one of my pet peeves for the Birmingham market and the C class properties is, you know, a lot of our investors Mm -hmm. like to put tile down on subflooring, wood Mm subflooring. Not concrete, but wood subfloor. So Those houses are old, they move, they creak, tile cracks. cracks, and has And then they replaced. want to
1: charge the tent. Yeah.
2: And then you can't match the tile. Even if you keep a few extras, you're eventually going to run out and you can't match it because they're always changing the style, the colors, et cetera. So,
1: I wouldn't advise tiling rentals, yeah. unless maybe floor it. Okay, but honestly, on if you're going go to go I would say on concrete. On concrete yeah. would be fine. I, you, if you're going to go tile, you might as well go LVP. Yep. Yeah. Right. What's
3: easier to replace as a one one off versus? Yes. Well, an LVP is more.
2: Yeah, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's luxury vinyl plank. Mm-hmm. So it's just what it sounds like. It's a it's a vinyl plank. Shaped product mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's incredibly durable, it's easy to do. They all have the
1: grout issues, right. Right. And, and there's, actually, a, lot there's a lot of There's a lot of it that's really, I mean, they have and they have varieties of the cost. So, if you have a sea level property, you don't have to buy the one that looks like real hardwood floors.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I've, I've got some thickness. of that in my
1: house, but I wouldn't necessarily sure. go put that in There's room. different
2: thicknesses of it, there is. Yeah, okay? It, it yes, can withstand dropping stuff on it without yes. damage,
1: scratch resistant, yeah. water resistant to,
3: to a point. So, so it, which which brings up a really good point. If you get the nicer one, you invest, you spend a little bit more money in the beginning which i completely agree with especially if you're doing investment properties guess what you just opened yourself up to allowing pets mm-hmm. yep. which is a whole nother discussion i get but
0: we talk how, about pets a lot but
3: how many people have pets and how many people love their pet hey brian we, how many
0: people have pets i've got a few
1: so so <laughs> of,
3: but they you know if that property if you're okay because you know that there the damage is going to be minimal now because I think the statistic is sixty six percent. So people.
2: I always like mm-hmm. to go back to one of my. Uh, Me and Brad have had a a podcast
0: semester. or two on this one. I, so, I don't. I don't know
2: when this one drops, but I know we've recorded one, one about favorite, pets one of my pet almost specifically. Pet stories. Homeowner, it's like hey, you know, I bought this investment property. He's got several. Yeah, but this one happened to be situated on a cul de sac, fenced in backyard, three bedroom, two bath, courtyard, answered garage. I'm like, no. Mr. Homeowner, you're really going to have a lot of applications with pets because of the fenced-in yard. Or a
3: lot, or at least a lot are going to ask. Cul-de-sacs
2: are probably going to draw a family unit in with pets, so I wouldn't say that. And then, so he goes, I don't want want pets. I'm like, okay. So what we decided (laughs) to do was to make him aware of every application that was submitted. Oh, that's such a good idea. I kid you not, this has been 15 years ago the first 16 applications that came in on the property.
3: Even though the ad said no pets, no they pets. all still applied with pets. They all asked. I know because it's in in Yard.
2: And I kept hitting them with it. Hey, we've had X amount of yep. applications, they had pets. Because he's
3: wondering yeah. why is it still sitting yeah, on the market. it's still
2: sitting on the market, but 16. Let's go ahead and take a risk. Since then, fifteen years ago, yeah, he accepts pets uh-huh. on yeah. well, now
1: we have so. resources that help us. Well, with now that he's too. also
3: he's if it's been that long, uh-huh. his emotions is not that tied yeah. to the property. Yeah. He's right. now he's taken a step back. Yeah.
0: I mean, in this, sitting specifically talking about pets podcast, which I, we've no, either had one point, already or right, we will. Right. I don't but know when you are listening. in that
3: was as an investor. If you look at what your the materials you are putting in, you also have to look at who your you know demographics are with people and pets and all of that and we'll kind have,
2: of look at. maybe we can get lucky enough, you know, I know somebody that knows somebody here. Uh, maybe talk to somebody about oh, some of those pet resources. Yeah. Uh, oh.
1: So, I might think? be able to help with that. Yeah. Oh, can you? I'm, I need it <laughs> yeah,
2: maybe. I maybe. That's what yeah. be a next guest episode. Yeah. So. You what should time have is both it? on. That be, <laughs> that be,
1: I, I can give you both sides I, I, of that one.
0: So we don't know when that one's going to drop either. We're just saying. Just a teaser. Just a
2: teaser for eventually... So let's circle back to so we've talked about a lot of stuff, but let's circle back to that initial discussion about uh, so we have a a hub and spoke operation, Mm -hmm. Jennifer's operation. We have us with five different locations, and you have clients that have multi-state operations or Mm multi-location. So let's kind of open that up a little bit and just talk about some of the pros and cons because I know. If you're an investor and you're diversifying your portfolio and you're buying products not just in one market but across multiple markets, we talked about Norbum. We talked about there's firms out there that aren't necessarily the guys that are nationwide, that are more regional and they specialize in specific markets. Because I know within our five marketplaces, each marketplace is distinctly different. Yeah. So, but. We have a company and we run the company to certain policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. So and, and systems in place. So everything runs. I like to give the analogy of guardrails. Everything has guardrails, so my brokers and my property managers operate within the guardrail
1: system. Uh, right.
2: But they have some <laughs> creative flexibility within their marketplaces because what works in Huntsville doesn't work in Birmingham. Correct. It doesn't work in Montgomery. So so th- let's talk about that and open that up a
0: little bit for discussion. Okay, well how do you set up I mean, this is more on our side. How, how do we make sure that we have good policies in place that, that are relevant for all markets? Brian, what is, is, is it just, just well, the-
2: just p- came out with it, Brian. Sorry. Like, wow, that was pretty quick. I do what I can. I was expecting you to kind of build that up a little bit more. <laughs> Sorry. I was
1: you I don't got time. I don't got time for nothing.
2: So I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's a multi-faced approach, uh, you know, creating the policy and procedures, and giving them the extra flavor for their marketplace might be the type of investors they work with, uh, the personalities, because I'm a firm believer is you can have systems, but it really does come down to local talent. So the first thing we look at when we open brick and mortar location and expand somewhere, which is typically where we have a corporate housing office. So we have brick and mortar already. So then we bring our systems in place, equipment, hire local talent, and that first local talent hire has to be strong, the person, the property manager has has to be, has to know the market, be the expert in that particular market. So, so taking that and then, you've seen it, so we have our, you know, Bibles, if you will, uh, <laughs> that we create for each market, you know, procedurally,
1: mm-hmm.
2: what they're to do in a reference guide so they can default back to it. And what I found over the years, Guys,
0: it's like a giant manual of every possible situation you can find yourself in and what to do. It's, it's like an escape always, manual yeah. for everything, and it and is it's, always it's inaccurate.
2: Always a, you know, something that oh, that's ever-changing. Yes. Well, yeah. And just it, when, it when you think change.
1: you've seen it all, you see something. Yes. Yeah.
2: And what worked 10 years ago does not work today, necessarily. Nope. Something and what
1: there. worked when you
3: had 200 properties doesn't that's, work when you have that's, 500. That's right. So it's a So sca- it has to be scalable.
2: It has yeah. to be scalable. And we talked about employees that being uh, or people. Mm-hmm. People. People, or people. people. Okay. We right didn't just say employees. We don't
1: have All of ours are not employees.
2: Okay. So okay. And, and that's that brings up a whole different discussion, you know, how are we structure versus how Jen's structured, and there's different lines of thoughts, and we've each made that decision based on different thought processes. But what what works for AHI is hiring the right talent up front, mm-hmm. implementing the policies and procedures and, and systems, and then allowing for the local flavor. So the ways that you have to Work toward that. So we obviously we have our annual training with our managers when they come to our main location in Birmingham, but we're doing the monthly mastermind manager calls. So we're addressing hot items that are okay. you know problematic pain points, if you will. Yeah. So we address those as a group of managers and come up with best solutions. And a lot of that's driven by our from our best best practices, if you will. Sure. And then we we come to an agreement, and then that's policy going forward on that particular issue. Okay. Okay. So, but as Jen alluded to, it 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 needs to change. Jim,
0: what has your experience been getting to a new market? I mean, what 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 is that like for you guys?
1: So, because we're more hub and spoke, we do have systems and processes in place.
2: Did we are explaining what hub and spoke? We did not. So Let's the go hub back.
1: is so you know think of a, of, a, of a wheel. The hub is the center. And then the spokes, you know, like a bike tire. The spokes are everything that go out. Mm-hmm. And so um, our hub, main office, corporate branch, whatever you want to call it, is Charlotte. That's brick and mortar. That's where anything that can happen inside of an office happens there. Everything's so centralized there. Everything is centralized there. So leases going out, you know, through through, DocuSign or whatever electronic, you know, form you want to do new property management agreements. Our phone calls then they can be transferred we have local numbers too but we have an 888 number that comes into the main and then we have our local folks have local numbers so all of those are our processes that we do internally because our goal is for the people that are boots on the ground in the markets so the folks that are out there they have back end office support they have each other in the marketplace but they're out doing what what we need them to do which is you need to go meet with new clients if they're local or go visit properties, take photos of properties, inspections for tenants, rent the properties. So that's what we've got the boots on the ground doing in the field and then they've got internally, we've got a team. So we have three different property management teams depending on the marketplace. So Charlotte has one particular team that they're probably working with so that you get used to your internal mm-hmm. team that's helping you with your properties. So so there is a, a team connection there um, and they're talking daily because they have to. Yeah. Absolutely. So
3: problem. she brings up a really good point. So when investors are looking at doing this in different markets, and they're like, "I can do this myself," or even if it's just one market and they can do this themselves, just little things like, "How are you guys? Are, are you doing your leases by hand? Mm-hmm.
1: What? What? Oh my what God, are, I are
0: doing what? That.
3: Yes. What technology are you using right. to you to, to make this more good, efficient?" That. So there's a lot of you know the famous question that I hear is you know well, what am I paying you for? What, what is that 10% or 8% or 12 whatever it is, what am I paying you for? And you're like, really? I mean, this, this when stuff- When things go awry, you'll know exactly what you're paying us for. That's right? part of it. And these the things that policy. we have to make this business efficient are not free. Right. And, so, and I mean, for the, for it's, it's the investor to possible. understand
2: the number of touch points. Look exactly. As property
3: so I call it the life cycle of property yes. management. So when you onboard a client, you onboard a property, then you have marketing. Of the property you have leasing you have application process you have then the move-in process and then you have the termed lease let's say it's 12 months so you have that term lease what happens for 12 months one thing what happens maintenance, maintenance. Right. maintenance happens for that and accounting and renewals yes there's some other there's processes that mm-hmm. do there's steps that happen within that
2: but that's a relationship phase.
3: that's right exactly mm-hmm. and then then you have the turnover right and then the move out or you know Yeah, exactly. So So there's all of those things in place that they have to recognize and realize that there's a lot, like you said, a lot of touch points that are going on that is not something that's probably in their own wheelhouse to manage. And technology can also help that become more efficient and easier.
2: But plus they don't understand. I think uh, one of the panels came up today and it's like, they're talking about before you know it, you're down in in the mud. Shoveling mud, there maybe or quicksand, quicksand. quicksand. Yeah, exactly. Um, like shoveling quicksand. But you, you know, you're, you're, you're taking yourself out of your optimal position, Yeah, which is to grow your portfolio.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: by having a professional management company alongside, that's your heavy lifting, right there. I mean, there.
3: do we manage our own stock portfolio? Not really. We would hire somebody to do that, especially if you're very vested
1: into the stock market. I would not
3: trust myself to manage my own stock portfolio. Right. I've explained to our
1: team, and I, and I think this changed their perspective, because I think oftentimes, especially your support team, your admin team, you know the folks that are doing a lot of the backend stuff, you have different personalities. You have your internal backend support team that are not salespeople. They don't want to be salespeople. They're very process-driven. They like the structure, they like and then paper. you have sales. That's right, they, know they, know. they do they like paper, oh my gosh.
0: Man, we We finally got paper. some of
1: them off, but I tell them all the time, I'm like, guys, listen, what, first of all, we're all selling every day whether you're selling to the tenant or you're selling to the owner because internally, y'all are trying to make sure tenants stay happy. We're trying to draw in new business. We're trying to also keep those owners happy. So everybody is still selling every day, whether you're answering the phone or anything else. But no, also, don't
2: forget this dynamic. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, no. But the internal client, because we have discussions on that all the time amongst team members mm-hmm. from outside offices. We're the internal clients. Right.
1: But then you, and I tell them, I'm like, guys, this is an investment for these folks. So we are like stockbroker or a financial planner we are managing that asset which is making them money or should be if we're doing our job and it's not always going to be Contingent on us, but we can do everything exactly. in our power to make sure we're doing our job well to be helping And it can them
2: sometimes money. depending on the investor it can sometimes be their most value wise. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Well, like I said If it's their first one, it's all of their money mm-hmm. Most likely they don't have even three months of reserve set aside today They mentioned somebody should have like a, you know for a lender. They look at having eight months yeah. I mean that's difficult for some people because they want to get started in this industry for most people. Yeah, so
1: That's a, that's a whole nother Piece. It puts in a totally different perspective, though, mm-hmm. when you actually look at your team and go, we're like a financial planner. It is. Because your financial planner is responsible. You may help them choose what mutual funds you want to put your money into, but they're going to be the ones guiding you along and the way. And usually sure you have long-term
3: relationships exactly if you right. have a
1: good financial planner. They know
3: you. I'm thinking of those commercials that I see. They oh, call okay. you up. Your kid's going to college. You're like... Let's you know. Let's review your stock portfolio. We should be doing the same yeah, thing. It's back
2: to the trust factors. Back mm-hmm. to the example I gave of the people going on vacation and exactly. clients for fifteen plus years. That's that's the client you're after. And I think this all makes the
0: point that not everybody, an investor that's listening, not any one of them are going to be perfect at yeah. every single aspect. That's what's great about the four of us sitting here. Is every one of us here has a very specific set of skills that they are the best at and but
3: remember we're also all human
1: yeah so oh, we're yeah. not we're perfect either.
3: so they there has to be a little give and pull on um, you know both sides Well, yeah. we
1: tell investors all the time we're like look we're good at what we do but we're going to make mistakes exactly but we, can, sure. we do we can't always guarantee a it. tenant right we're not going to run for we, it we don't know to
0: and that's that's part of Again, finding a good partner right. in whatever market you invest your money in is finding someone part of being a good partner is being able to own up to their mistakes but be honest with you and have that open communication and I think that's important for everyone listening to this episode everyone listening to the whole podcast that's that's one of the really strong points I want everyone to know is you need to get to know someone in whatever market you're going to and have that solid trust built with them whether that's property manager or You know, in, uh, where was it, Idaho, that they don't have to have a license License, at all? Right,
1: correct.
0: I guess you can find somebody there that calls himself a property manager, but might just be some guy that knows how to do some stuff. Well,
3: you know, it's interesting. Find
0: somebody in the market.
3: When I'm consulting clients, there's three things that I always say are important. It's people, process, and technology. Those are the foundational things that are needed to run a really good property management company. So if an investor is looking to, to look at somebody, like you said, let them interview you, let them see your office if you have one, let them see your staff. If they want to know certain processes, be transparent. I've heard property managers go, I'm not gonna send them, share that stuff with them. No, you should. Yeah. And then technology, explain what technology you're using to make this job run more efficiently well, and how your point, business is the streamlined. The point that
2: I was gonna make when you were talking about partners and partnership, was just like, you know, having Filter Easy on mm-hmm. in the previous episode. So that's a, that's a partnership that we formed with Filter Easy that as property managers, we have all these other partnerships with all these yes. other so technology vendors, mm-hmm. And right. they're
1: a benefit to our clients too. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's something you're not going to find on your own. So it's all about partnerships and long-term relationships. And that's what I think that I want
0: the listener to get out of this episode is if you're listening to this, and yes, yeah, some of this is a little bit inside baseball. I think some of it is, and that's okay. I want the listener to, to know, okay, these these people are experts. There, there's a reason that I need to reach out to an expert in, a, in whatever market that I'm thinking of investing in because I don't even... Maybe know what they're talking about, and maybe there's a reason that I should let them handle it. If I don't know what they're talking about Absolutely. in this this certain instance, and that's just something that I, I think is not only to benefit us, which it does, it definitely does. I don't, I don't want to be I don't, don't want to be coy and be like, no, nah, we're just doing this for the good of our hearts. We're not. This is a business.
2: Right.
0: We're making money
2: off of no, this. We're doing it because we enjoy
0: it. We're doing this because we enjoy it. But they also – the listener, the the investor needs to understand that, okay, well, having the ease of owning a property that's managed properly is paying someone that's good at it. That's exactly right. And that's where – that's what they need to find. This episode needs to really get that point across. If you're investing in, a, in in an area, it doesn't matter where if it's in Birmingham or, or Minnesota or Wow, you Minnesota. said that a little bit too I was trying to hit it. Oh, okay. I did what I could. One
3: point I did
0: what it. I could.
1: For <laughs> the East Coast and the Carolinas. It doesn't matter.
0: My point is find somebody that knows what they're talking about, partner with them, and I think that's gonna make everyone happier. Our brothers and sisters in Boston. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I, I don't have a Boston accent. I, don't, I can't do one of those. I don't think. I'd have to hear someone. Where, do we have anybody from Boston out there? Get, get them to come in here and talk to me for five or ten minutes, and I'll do my best. But my point is find somebody, get a partnership, and that's what's going to make your properties make the most profit for you. And, and profit isn't just money always. That's right. A lot of the time it's... Mm-hmm not having your hair on fire. Right. Well,
3: they're in a buy and
1: hold pattern, right? So sure. they're not they're not You're not gonna make money that first year. And, and rarely. And you want a, a property that you've got somebody managing and maintaining for you so you have a good return on the investment. So in ten years or fifteen years when you go to sell it, that property has increased in value or at least, you know you put your kids through college or right. whatever it wanted it fulfilled its mission. Anybody and, that's looking mm-hmm. for a property manager and solely makes their choice based on the fee structure of said property manager is not doing their diligence properly. No. That's going to hurt them more than help them at the end of the day. They'll
2: be coming back in, in a year. That's right. To your point, they're not going to make money. Somebody stole them the will. That's yeah, right.
1: that's right. Yeah. the realtor that sold them the property.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's Wait, the did one.
3: Did I say that too loud? <laughs> you did,
2: and we all were
0: thinking it. Okay. So, what is everybody's final thoughts on uh, on on multi
2: market? Just just getting into so final so final thought for me would be to different approaches. So obviously, we talked about our structure, brick and mortar, five different locations. Each office operates within my guard rail system, mm-hmm. okay? Perplexed by Jim's operational structure. <laughs> but it you, works. I like it, yeah. Centralized, which I can embrace that concept. We're centralized, uh, Brian. Yeah, but we're centralized in payments. We're not centralized in sending leases out management agreements and for all offices, so think about those different things. No, I, I, I uh, agree that it blows my mind that so that's So there's possible. two different operational philosophies, but I can promise you we're we're geared toward the same end goal, right?
3: Right, and neither not, one is not more right over the oh, other. No. no, definitely not. No, that's so, what I've learned about consulting people. If one company is not better than the
1: other, or and how they do it. Right. Everybody's different. And well, some of that. our processes might be slightly different. I think but, where the synergies are is the one what we want out of our teams yeah. for the care of our clients. That's right. And it's our processes, and it's our integrity. And and it's the relationships with others in NARPM. It's our teams being engaged with NARPM. It's it's us. We're all all of us sitting at this table are aligned with with making sure we're the best of the best and having that level of integrity, being ethical, and our fiduciary responsibility, responsibility being right. to our that's client. Exactly and right. that's that's important no matter how any of us and do it. It's
2: and it's not it's not selfishly motivated. And I can say that within our industry, within our professional industry. I don't know that I know anybody right off the top of my head that is selfishly driven monetarily. Now, Deb's going to figure out. So, I mean you? I would say most. most <laughs> no, of I wasn't raising
3: my hand. Most, <laughs> of, the, most of the people most of the people that,
2: uh, that I know, and we know, it's like we, we, we don't know all 6,000 plus members of Markham, but for those people we interact with on a, on a normal basis, it's not the same few, it's right. many. It's pretty right, broad. dozens. And uh, I would just say, you know, I used the term earlier, best in class operators. Many of them are, and we're always learning and improving those processes and how we conduct our businesses. So yes. that's to the advantage of the client, and that's mm-hmm. what we're all focused on. Yep. I think that's great.
1: Totally agree with that.
2: And I didn't mean to steal your thunder because yeah. you, you haven't given your final thoughts yet.
3: My final thoughts are just really just, you know, as an investor, you have to look at the big picture. What are, what are your end goals for the whole, you know, how, how much do you want? to grow your own portfolio? What are you looking at? When you are working on this on your own, you should kind of look inward and say, I should find a property manager. But and is it then, not
2: fun to sit that investor down when they first come in and say, exactly. "What are your goals?" Exactly. But it is. And how it's, many it's,
1: investors do you meet in person? See, now we don't actually end up. I mean, a, a lot of them. Do you? I mean, a lot of. That's interesting. To or them. at least have a really good. Hey, yeah. have a video call. And, and yeah, if anything, have it at least a video. But it's interesting out. to me because a lot of our investors are not local and they don't even come to the marketplace. No,
3: but I do think you should at least have a video call. It's important for them to see. They want to know that you're real, and uh, but
2: back to the preferred partnerships. We touched mm -hmm. on that earlier. So, you know, we're partnered with several investment networks. Mm. Mm-hmm. They pick us up as preferred partners, so we've already been vetted by them. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, you know, people listen to those networks, and they're like, hey.
3: And that goes back to the whole thing we right. started off with, referrals. That's absolutely That's awesome. where it comes from, because you're trusted by someone that they would they... Someone in
2: influence. Yes, yes. and then they
3: refer you, and that's the highest compliment. That's what they always say, it's the highest compliment. Absolutely. So focus on the people, focus on the process, focus on the technology, and if you can't do it, find somebody who can.
2: So quick question, just for... Three of us. Because sure. I have an answer for you anyways. Okay, fine. Um, you don't
1: count.
2: We're, we're over an hour, anyways. It doesn't matter at this point. So the quick quick question is So, how, have either of you. What if I have a different a, answer than you? No, you have the same answer because I know the answer. I do the question yet. <laughs> um, have either of you actually had a tenant who rented from you and then purchased a property and then moved away and turned their purchased property back to you for management? Yes, yes. So, yes for me too. That is the highest form of Mm -hmm. confidence. That's great. That's very cool.
3: (laughs) It's also very rare, but I know it's rare. Yes.
2: That's why it stands out. I know.
3: That's true. You do remember
2: that. But the experience you knew, and I've had that happen probably four times, I think, in 18 years. And the four times, every one of them said, I had such a great experience as a tenant.
3: And you want to go, you did? Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, and then I, I realized how you dealt with the homeowner and situations that came mm-hmm. up. So therefore, I, you were my They first start to understand
3: this a little bit yeah. more because now they're on the other side of the hole. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you.
3: Thank you. Guys, thank y'all so much
0: you for guys, kind of so much. hanging out with us because this, this was, was awesome. awesome. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has been.
2: This room is kind of cool looking. It is. Yeah, really it's amazing. making me a little
3: dizzy. It is. Well, don't look this way. direction. Well, direct like don't, yeah. <laughs>
2: don't look this direction.
0: So we're I'm in Memphis. you are looking at
3: y'all, a black wall. You're yeah, looking at this. looking. I don't know what's going
0: So it's the end of the podcast, and this is going to get recorded. We're in Memphis. Do y'all want to go have some barbecue? Let's do it. Let's oh, go. Let's please, go. get let's
1: some real. Go. That's
0: great.
2: The songs Lobby Time, Retro Future Clean, and Rocket Power were created by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Visit creativecommons.org licenses by 3.0 on the web.